compassion, empathy, and love are the real pillars we need to build within ourselves to become human. Baba Lokanath. Bending Not Breaking, Episode 12, The Storm. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I am Sunshine Mayfield, and we are here to talk about episode 12, The Storm, and through a lens of empathy. 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 You gotta gotta be empathetic. What's empathy, Ben? What is empathy? Well, some would say it's walking a mile in someone else's shoes. Why does it feel a mile? I don't know. I've never... Honestly, and I I think uh, when we talk about empathy, one of the biggest things that I think people have to understand is that just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean that you can't like find that emotional connection in yourself correct so it's not that like someone's gone through a really hard time and maybe lost someone due to you know a sickness that they were really close with you don't have to go through that experience to understand why that would be tough or hard um and i think there's a lot of times that people have to understand that like you don't have to experience the same thing to be able to experience why someone might feel a certain way or have an understanding about that yeah i I think that uh, breaking empathy down has, you know, roughly four or five steps. It's recognizing that someone is experiencing an emotion. It's then getting to the point where you are able to understand and see that emotion. Then it's communicating that you have seen that emotion and validating that emotion to the other person. And then staying mindful throughout that entire process. Yes, and I think another thing we will talk about and it will likely come up in this episode is that you can be empathetic, and we've talked about this before, you can have empathy for someone and still hold them accountable for their actions. I literally wrote that down. Um, (laughs) Because I think that's always another kind of misstep when it comes to empathy is people think that like, oh, because I'm being empathetic, that just excuses the action. It doesn't. It just, it helps you understand why someone might behave that way. It helps you understand... Um, where they're there, and when you have that, you're gonna you're likely gonna treat them better. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean that you know someone hits someone. You can have empathy and understanding like what led up to that. You still got to hold someone accountable for, yeah, for those actions. Absolutely. And a lot of times in the um, professorial, in like the oh my god, I'm forgetting the word. In learned people, where people are learning about empathy, like in schools of social work and schools of X, Y, and Z, they talk about it as an em- empathic failure. And I think that the word that you just used is a misstep, and I think that's a better phrasing because it's it's a misstep. It's not like it's something that I went the wrong way, but it's not over. I can continue and move forward. Because one of the, there's a quote about failure that once you recognize and grapple with the fact that you you've learned something from that failure, it no longer is a failure. Is a failure yeah, right? it ceases to become that what it is. And so, it's an empathic miss or an empathic misstep is something we'll probably talk about a lot today. Yeah, because it happens a lot. Quite frequently. All right. <laughs> so before we dive into the episode, it is my turn to do a descending word count recap. You have so few words. I've got nine to work with. And so uh, I will go ahead and start now. Atypical childhoods lead to shame and need for acceptance. Mm. That's it. Nine words. It's getting harder. There's no no specificity. Yeah, but I think that that properly sums up the episode of what we're experiencing. We're going to get a lot of flashbacks to the the childhoods, which I'm not even sure if that's a... Yeah, you you keep uh, defending yourself. Let's see if an audience member... Can do a better job. Can do a better job. Yeah, tweeted at us at the Arc of E. Um, But... You know, we get a lot of flashbacks and we get a look into um, Aang's childhood. And what I really love about this episode um, is we get to dive into Zuko's childhood yeah, as this well. this is the first time we really get to see Zuko. Um, and I love, love the utter compassion that Uncle Iro has for Zuko. And his ability to kind of like speak to that to others well, we'll uh, in the de- course we'll of this episode. We'll definitely get a chance to dive into that as it comes. Oh, yeah. Because there are a lot of, lot of opportunities to see that. 
All right, so we start off, and Aang is in the state where he's riding and flying on Appa, but um, we can tell by the filter and the shading of the way that it's drawn that it is not the world that we're used to, so it is likely a dream world, and then we are quickly confirmed that that is um, uh, the case. And uh, we need you, Aang, and we notice this because Sokka's flying on Aang's glider. That doesn't really ever happen. Yep. Um, and then um, we have Katara riding a much bigger version of Muck Muck, um, as they're flying through, and and then we get uh, Iatso shows up, and he's floating in front of Aang, and it's we need you, we need you, and then Aang goes into the ocean. That's out of character, right? Right. Um, and so yeah, I mean, Aang starts to feel we, we it's a night. It's clearly a nightmare, and well, he starts to drown. He's by the fact that he ran away as a kid. Like that's what I wrote down at the beginning of this, and maybe that's because I just knew what was going on, but I, 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 this is clearly him antagonizing himself over the fact that he ran away. Right, well, and we also get this moment, too, of, like, you start to feel that the, the, all the pressure that he's putting on himself and the feeling, and we've stated from episode one, being a 12-year-old and having this thrown on you, the amount of pressure that would really cause, it, it, you know, it's tough, it's not, you know, it's pretty traumatizing. It is. Um, we'll definitely talk about that later, too. So he wakes up from dreaming. Sokka wakes up. Katara wakes up. Um, Sokka quickly rolls back over. Katara asks a, a few more questions. Hey, what you know? You want to talk about it? What do you? How do you want to handle this? Um, well, and so um, here's my question to you. Uh, this is the first time I really noticed this. Why doesn't Aang have a sleeping bag here? He doesn't, he's not sleeping. On, he's sleeping on the ground. Yep. Why? No idea. No, I mean, I mean, just no idea. And so. What causes him to... I'm confused as to why they don't sleep on Appa all the time. Yeah, so, I mean, like, so, my <laughs> questions, and I don't have any... I don't have an answer for these, but, like, does Aang's empathy for Katara and Sokka enable him to give up his sleeping bag for them? Do they not have enough money and he's willing to sacrifice his sleep so that they can get better sleep? Is... Uh, does his monk-like nature and upbringing drive his lack of material possessions in order to for him to humble himself into this mode? Well, well have we noticed this before? Like, have, I have And so, yeah. you know, I and honestly, no, the times that we, like, I think of the time where Katara's off with the, the waterbending scroll, both Aang and um, Sokka are in That's right. sleeping so bags. That's right, so why not So why not time? this time? Um, yeah, I don't know. And is that leading to his nightmares? Poor, poor sleeping, poor condition. sleeping condition. Potentially, right? Um, and so they get, they pack up, they start. And Aang, Aang points out clear skies and says that this is going to be a great time to fly. And Katara points out that they need, they need supplies, which clearly we're seeing Aang doesn't have a sleeping bag, right? So they, yeah. need, <laughs> they need supplies, they need some food. Um, they say they need to go to the market. Sokka, does, oh, we can't go to the market. I've had the, had a nightmare. Or the food eats you, or they the food. And, and Momo's you know. talking to me. Yeah, and 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 Mukmuk said some very unnice things. Um, so my question around that is: Does Sokka feel bad for Aang's nightmares, and is this story his way of communicating me too to Aang? Maybe, uh, maybe, and I wonder if that you know. Sokka clearly, it doesn't seem to me that Sokka really believes that he can't go to the market. I think he sees it as a, um, as playing him. And so I wonder if he feels, when he's creating the connection between nightmares, if Aang's nightmares are similar, then they're not based in reality. Um, and so maybe he's watched, you know, well, and so he's like, he's letting it run off his back. And so Aang probably did the same with his. And so... He's not focused on it as much. It's kind of the story that I tell myself in that situation, where Aang's nightmares are are very much based in reality. Sure, um, but... even though like clearly these magical things don't happen, but it's it is coming from a place of, of so shame. Let's assume that this is intentional. Like Sokka is sharing this intentionally for Aang. Right. What would be the motivation to do that? And if it is, if he is doing it intentionally, is it an empathic miss? Well, and I don't know if it. I think sometimes it's able, you know, that that thing of, hey, I've I've gone through nightmares too. You know, they well, suck. It, yeah. Um, and so that is possible. I, you know, if I don't see how Sokka's response would have made Aang feel any better, other than lightning but, the mood. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, um, again, normally that is done as a sense to avoid empathy or to avoid 
tough conversations. Yeah. And so, um, but I think Sokka's pretty oblivious. Okay. I'm not giving him the most generous assumption there, but I think that he's kind of oblivious. To, I thought it was just worth raising saying, to, 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 to see what the thought yeah. was. So they um, we cut to Zuko. We do. We cut to, to Iroh and, and Zuko on the boat, and uh, you know, Uncle Iroh says, "We got storms coming. Um, we got to think of the the crew safety. The safety of the crew doesn't matter." Which is, which Zuko says, and um, his crew is yeah, the lieutenant overhears, and then Zuko's like. Mm-mm. Finding the Avatar is more important than any individual's safety. Right. Walks right up to him and says that. Yep, and then walks away. Iroh comes back to the lieutenant and says, hey, he doesn't mean that. So he's already... Yeah, he doesn't mean it. It's like it's 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 really not easy to like Zuko in this moment. No, and I think Uncle Iroh knows that. Yeah. Because he, how many times, even when we're like, apologize, this is a perfect example of something like, even being empathetic towards Zuko and understanding why he says this and why he feels this way mm-hmm. and why he has this outlook doesn't excuse the fact that he just told someone, your life is not meaningful when it comes to my priorities right yeah. now. Well, and I think this is really also the first time that we see the crew mind what Zuko says. We're on episode, what, 11, 12? We're on episode 12 and, and we're getting this moment where the, the crew is... I think probably it's been rumbling, if I had to guess, within the crew. Like, sure, but this is the first time we're seeing mm-hmm. this. We're getting right? this, this definitive pushback. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. So I think it's interesting that Iroh vouches for him in this moment because it's really not easy. Well, what's the difference between saying, like, hey, don't worry about it, versus, like, he didn't mean it, versus, like, he didn't mean it, and it's like, but that's okay that he said it. Which is not the way that Uncle Iroh comes out. It's, he didn't mean it. But you can clearly tell that Uncle Iroh, because the entire time he's like, Zuko, like, trying to rein him in. Yep. And Zuko's like, nope, I'm, I'm diving into this pretty head on and, and being adamant about it. Thus the fire in him. Yeah. We get a cut back to uh, Katara and our heroes at the market. Out of um, food, out of Shaking money. melons. Um, yeah. Is, you know, Aang being very... Um, trusting to the the market woman saying yeah you know she's probably right when you uh if you hear the squishiness it means it's ripe um but then they don't have any money anyways so yeah and then i think it's really interesting this interaction with that fruit seller is like as they walk away she kicks Sokka in the butt and like for wasting her time yeah Thoughts. not a very empathetic response yeah, right really not maybe he like, just didn't realize they were out of money lots of empathic misses so far yeah well, life is filled with those, right? Oh, Again, yeah. we've, we talked about the biases that we have last episode. The stories we tell ourselves drastically impact the way that we act. Absolutely. And so we have to tell ourselves, we have to try to tell ourselves the most generous assumption. Um, if we want to be empathetic. If we want to be empathetic. We've also talked, you know, early on is that safety is going to play a big role into that. Absolutely. I think the emotional and physical safety of this market seller um, is probably pretty high. She probably doesn't think there's many risk. Um, but what is the most generous assumption you can give her in that behavior is that she's been cheated before. Um, when she's had moments where people have wasted her time, it, it's, it's kept other people from buying from her and she needs that money for uh, to you know, feed her family. Um, so how do you continue to give the most generous assumption along the line? And yet hold her hold, hold people accountable. It's not okay. It's not behavior. okay to hit someone. It's not okay to kick somebody. Right. So she messed up. We can understand why she might have done something, but now we have to say that's not okay. Yep. And then we encounter this fisherman who, you know, has a job offering, and Sokka's like me. No, and so you get this moment with him and uh, assumed partner. Yes. Um. I, my joints are telling me and my, a storm. And my brain me. is telling me that it's not because I can look at the skies, see all this stuff. And so my, I'm going to trust my brain over your, your joints. joints. Yep. The, um, and so this is an interesting interaction because she clearly is thinking about his welfare. She's doing it for him. And she's doing it for him. He is thinking about, if we're giving the most generous assumption, I need to make money. I need to be able to feed my for family you. for you. Yeah. Um, and so you really get to this impasse of... Both of them are worried and concerned about the other person, um, which inevitably is going to put, like, because of that, they're both pretty adamant about standing their ground on what needs to happen. 
Sokka needing a job. Hey, yeah. that he's paying double. Hey, I'll join you. What do you mean paying double? Like this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they need money, they need food, and Sokka said, you know, again, thinking about the good of everyone else, I need to go do this. And yeah. so you get a lot of moments of people behaving with compassion and um, selflessness, um, but then people are questioning it because they're just kind of, they're worried about their safety and stuff like that. So you see a lot of people who are concerned for each other's well-beings in these moments. And um, we cut to Zuko again. Well, we do. We cut to uh, we cut to the crew notices the storm clouds. Lieutenant questions Zuko again. Um, well, and, the lieutenant's like, looks like your uncle was right, right? You know, yeah. And like, well, you better learn to respect me, or I will teach it to you. Yep. And then you got this moment where the lieutenant immediately questions Zuko and says, like, I I've seen no, you know You're, nothing you of respect. Brat. Yeah, you are a spoiled brat. And I think it's really interesting to think about like you will learn respect or I will teach it to you is almost a direct quote from Fire Lord Ozai mm-hmm. later in the episode. Yes. And I think that's really interesting. Oh, because you learn from your own past experiences, mm-hmm. right? And so he thinks that this is the way to behave and that this is the way because that's the his caregiver is what and what um, we don't learn that yet, so you get this moment, and then Iroh diffuses this situation. Yeah, he's but, been mediating this. But that moment of you spoiled brat, like, one, we're, it's not, that's not an, I don't know if that's an empathy misstep, that, there's just no empathy there. When well, they're, that, they're, the, yeah, he's not trying to be empathetic. He's no. just, he's skipping that well, and, and saying, you little brat. And we'll, let, well, let's go back. He doesn't have the ability to be empathetic here because Correct. it is affecting his physical safety. Yes. Um, it, it is really tough to be empathetic if you are fearing for your own safety emotionally or physically. And he's thinking that if we continue on this course, my physical safety, my life, is going to be put in danger because this person cannot choose to not do this. Um, and so... They almost fight. Iroh says, split up. Away. Let's go get some noodles. Yeah, um, some tea. Mm-hmm. And just, but again, what a for him, he is very empathetic to both sides. Of oh, it. he sees both sides. He see, very much like he understands why the crew behaves this way. He understands why Zuko behaves this way. Um, and because he has that knowledge and outlook, he is very quickly able to take the situation and spin it to and keep it from being uh, an incredibly negative yeah. scene. So it's not, like, and it probably wouldn't have been helpful if Iroh had not been empathetic towards the crew, and he was just empathetic towards Zuko. Right. He probably would have... It would have caused a mutiny, probably. The crew just probably would have upped on on both of them. Correct. Um, But he had this empathy towards towards everyone. And then we cut back. Aang's talking to Sokka about fishing, and hey, we really should be worried about this. Um, And then we get this moment where, you know... You're the Avatar? Katara says, he's the Avatar. He knows things, and he's wonderful. And the fisherman says, you're the Avatar, and immediately talks about, like, you turned your back on the world. Yeah. Where where were you 100 years ago? Um, you know, well, and so my expectation is that you, you know, saved the world. And you did I observed that you didn't. Right. Can you help me understand what happened? That's not how he words it, though. No. Um, <laughs> because well, in that, here we get this moment for empathy, seeking to understand... Versus going off of my initial story that I'm telling myself in the first place. Bingo. Um, and so you've got this fisherman who's could ask the question, this is what I observed, this is what I saw. Help me understand why you weren't here. Help me learn your experience. Help me learn why this happened so that I can have a better understanding of you. And then we can talk about a, a solution or whatever else yeah. is going on. No, he's he's got the story in his head and says, you turned your back on the world. You ran away. And then he runs away again, only confirming that story. Yep. And, and he even says it. Look, that's right. Go run away again. Well, I think it's really interesting because when we are in shame, we are more likely to do and live into behaviors that are... Or shame-based behaviors. ...exacerbate that shame rather than solve it. Absolutely. And so I think this is a really good example of that, of how, like, uh, you're right, I do run away, and I'm going to run away because this is too hard to deal with. Yep. And I think that's just, oh, that's so devastating for Aang in this moment. Because I am just like, oh my god, I just wanted to But, oh, and Katara, like, Katara stands up for him. She defends him. But because of his proximity to the shame in this moment, and the fact that he's been having these nightmares, he is 
not able to handle it and he runs away even with someone championing championing him which i think that speaks to to the way that we behave it, it doesn't matter if you don't truly love yourself uh which seems like a cliche thing to say but if you don't truly have an understanding of yourself to the point of where you don't have to live into the shame where it's yes i did these things um that is something that i did but i've learned and i'm growing from it and i'm not a bad person versus you know um, I did something that wasn't great or whatever that might be. If you're so ingrained in that, it doesn't matter if you got people on the outside telling you that, like, no, you're great. It's going to be really tough to, to get out of that. Yep. Um, that is a really personal thing that has to happen for that to take place. And um, then Aang apologizes and he starts to tell his story. Yep, because Tar falls into a cave. Yep. She gets on Appa, it's raining. Um, and then we, we get a lot, uh, you know, Aang had to learn, um, his fate early. We get his little backstory. Like, and so, like, I, I think that, like, he has his childhood taken away from him yeah. by telling him this. Well, and you see this in the moment of, like, we don't see it yet, but he's, he teaches he teaches everyone how to play air ball. Like, you know, how to do well, an, air, how to do, do an yeah. air scooter. Um, he, he uses the air scooter and tells people how to ride on it, and they start teaching. And they're all having fun. He gets pulled away to be told, like... You're the Avatar. Yeah. Um, at a really young... And they even say it like, we would have waited till 16, but it was important that you know. Yeah. Now. Well, and I think it's interesting because I think one of the things we'll talk about in a minute is how, if they had handled... If they... They could have told him. And if they had handled it differently, things would have turned out differently. Yeah. But, and I, we'll get we'll get to that when it comes to it. Well, and also, you know... Yeah, you get them saying that we have to behave this way, and we have to really empathize with the monks at this time. Of why did they have to tell him early? Because there's a war. Because there's a war and approaching. They know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, you know, in hindsight, we know that it was justified. Yeah. So we so we've got extra confirmation bias. This kind of swings into this too, <laughs> as the viewer, like they weren't wrong. They like, and Correct. so um, anyway, we come back to Zuko. The well, the crew's venting. Yeah. Um, complaining about Zuko, they're just listing laundry list this complaints, and Ira says, "Try to understand." Yeah, let me give you some insight. You mind if I join you? Let me tell you what's tell, going on. T- and then he starts telling Zuko's story, and so Zuko wants to learn about these tactical meetings, and he wants to get in, and he's mad. And then Ira, like, okay, listen, you can come in, but you got to be quiet. You can't say anything. And then one of these advisors. Sec- suggests sacrificing a unit as a tactical move, and of course Zuko speaks out. Well, and so it's an exact opposite of what happened earlier, right? You can't sacrifice people who love our nation, people who fight for us. You can't sacrifice them just for your own personal benefit, which is the direct opposite. He's saying no individual. Yeah, no individual is worth this. Yeah. And so we know that he's got that stance. We yes, absolutely. Well, and even in the way of like, I just really want to be in the war room because I like I want to be the best leader I can be, and I have to do that by by being a part of these meetings. And so you know that he wants to do well, and in his eyes right now, he's not seeing the Fire Nation as this nation that is overtaking everybody else. Um, The general assumption we can make for him is that. He's been taught similar to the, the confirmation bias or the um, when you're in a social society like earthbenders, airbenders, waterbenders, they're not good. They're going to attack us. Yeah. And so he's living in this and thinks he's doing this to support his nation. And, and I think that's really interesting that you juxtapose those two situations because I didn't make that connection when I was watching the first time. So I think that's a really cool thing to dive into and think about as we continue to watch this episode around how Zuko grapples with the fact that these things are very similar. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Um, and it also kind of points to when you have that negative, the way that he is punished and the way that he is taught, how that shifts his mentality from... It only reinforces it, mm-hmm. right? It's why people... This is, are, I have to behave this way because if well, I don't, then well, and frankly, that is I'll get hurt again. That is one of the reasons why abusers or people young people who are abused are more likely to become abusers in their older age mm-hmm. right as because that's what they know mm-hmm. and so when if they don't do that i get hurt again right like yeah. and so like and so it, it's it's unfortunate that that's the world that we live in and this is a really good example of that <sighs> okay well, um yep 
cut back to Aang. So we get back to Aang, and uh, we get this flashback that he can't play with his friends because now his friends know he's the Avatar. And this is what I'm saying. Heartbreaking. It's har- what, but like, heartbreaking. If they had handled that differently, I'm pretty confident that Aang wouldn't have left. Right. Right? If they had continued to play with him and figure out a way to make this work, then yeah. I think Aang would have felt... He just didn't receive any empathy for his situation. Well, because now he doesn't belong. Exactly. Like, why, why stay in a place where I don't belong? These kids, I can't play with my friends anymore. They think I'm too powerful to, for it to be a fair game, so I can't play with them. Monkey Otso tries to show him that he belongs. We're going to play games, and we're going to well, do these things. You know what really hurt the most was, like, the teams would just be unfair if you were on it. And then the next scene is they cut to this clearly not talented airbender who is like apparently smelly because he has flies going around him right and like they like could they not have paired those two on the same team on the same to team, even each other out right and so I, i'm just like i don't when that comes to the you know if we're giving the most generous assumption to those kids is it that it's not fair teams or is it it, it's really tough to play with someone who makes you look bad. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Right? And so, you know, and, and understanding as a kid, like, I, I want to be good at things. And I don't want to be constantly reminded that I'm not good enough. And so I'm going to avoid a situation where that might be the case. At the detriment of Aang. Yeah. Um, we get a quick cut back uh, to, to Iroh talking about Zuko and, and the Agni Kai versus Pops and... Um, well, he's like, I am unafraid of the general, but then his father shows up. Yeah. And like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And like, he was totally willing to go into this Agni Kai with the general, but yep. he was like, I'm not doing this with my father. And so, and then we get a quick cut back. Um, and let's be real. No, before that, like, firstly, let's think about this for a second. If you're willing to sacrifice a whole unit, burning your own son doesn't seem so bad. You're talking about for Lord Ozai? Yeah. Like, clearly this is something that happened more than once, like, this suggestion that we might sacrifice, like, and so Fire Lord Ozai is like, if you're willing to sacrifice a crew and listen to that and entertain that, and then not, like, be on Zuko's side in this moment, yeah, then burning burning your son is, like, baby uh, frolic. Well, yeah, it's it's a punishment that needs to be made to teach him the ways of life. teach him respect, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm gonna teach you respect, and I'm gonna teach you, and suffering will be your teacher. And this is the moment that I start to feel for Zuko. Right. This and, is the change. Well, so before even... So we know that he's got to fight Pops, but we we don't see the interchange between like Correct. them yeah. yet. Um, it goes back to Aang. But, but in the show, this is the moment where I start to empathize with Zuko. Oh, absolutely. Well, and you see this a lot... You see his qualities of good all throughout the early episodes. Yeah, in it, shorter bursts yeah but but you can start to already paint i think that i think i empathize with him earlier because you can start to see the the points of well when he chose to go after iroh instead of and after, after the Aang. avatar like there's a Which that's, and that's happened a couple times but like this is the moment where you're like oh he's a he good had, kid he had it bad he's he had it bad and he yeah. was a good kid at heart right that, like other before you can justify it and think about it but like this is the like a turning point i think in this uh, season around the idea of Zuko. Right. I think this episode specifically is, and especially this moment. And so we get a cut back to Aang, and Aang's talking in the cave to Katara, and she's in, because we get a flashback of the monks kind of saying, hey, we need to send him away to to another air temple. Yeah. And Aang, not being very empathetic to the causes of the monks, um, why do they want to take away everything I love? Yeah. Like, that is, he is ripped apart mm-hmm. um, by this moment of why do they want to take away everything I love, which which isn't the case. The monks aren't sitting there and saying, like, we just don't want him to be happy. He's got to no. be, the, but they are saying, like, we need to prep him to be the Avatar as Look. fast as possible, and Look. we don't see this play as a way of doing that. And I think, again, this is an example, we talked about this last episode, but I think it's worth talking about again. I think, like, my view from here, watching the show, like, I have a different perspective like, I, what is best for Aang versus what is best for the world? I don't think those two things are different. I think doing what is best for Aang is what is best for the world. Right. And in this moment, I Mo- think Gyatso's right. Mm-hmm. And, I, like, is my dude. Like, I hope I grew up to be, like, Monk Gyatso. Yeah. Like, he is, like... 
He's on. He realizes he, that he, you can't do as a, as a child. You can't focus as a not even as a child as a person. You can't constantly focus on you can this like you this work and this play. drive. You have to have moments of play. Moments of play and moments of like just love because and you, kindness. Mm-hmm. And he's not experiencing that when he's just constantly on grind mode. Right. He's gonna burn out and he's gonna hate his job, which clearly happens. Right. Right. And so it's one of those things where like Yatso is my dude, and I really appreciate him. So. But but Aang has this moment in the cave where he's he is saying that the he monks gets, are doing this because and he gets a well, I put it down as a mini avatar state. That's exactly what I wrote. He right? gets a he gets a little bit of the jolt of and it, and we've seen it before. And we talk about it that uncontrolled emotion because of the lack of empathy yes. creates this, anger. This just furthers my theory on emotions being a driver for avatar state. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we see and again and we've talked about it. It's just when you don't have a control of your emotions, how easily it is. To yeah. blow up. Yeah. But um, he masters it, right? Really but, quickly. He catches himself. But you know what I wrote? I wrote, Aang gets angry. <laughs> Get it? A- a- I do. Angry. That was very clever of you. <laughs> I did. Like, the thing is, when I was writing it, I, just, wrote, I wrote it by like naturally that way. And I was like, oh, that's funny. You put Aang and then angry. Yeah. Um, You're so witty. Thank you. Um, But he has, but it is that moment of the quick, like it's anger. There's lack of emotion. And we uh, a quote that I almost read for the cold open was something along the lines of, um, the opposite of angry is not calmness, it's empathy. Yes. Um, yes. And I, that was almost the quote that I went with this uh, for the start of the episode, but this is a moment that you see that, like, it is not calmness. It is, when you have empathy and understanding, you're going to not be angry as often. Correct. Um, because you are diving into why people are behaving that way and seeking to understand versus immediately pulling all that anger. And you know what's also, like, the, the very next thing we see is ang- we see the anger runs away. And as Gyatso is walking in, he says, I won't let them take you away from me. Right. And so, like, whether that's true or not, and I think I want to assume that it's true. Yeah. That he convinced them because we wouldn't receive that otherwise. Like, Aang's already gone. What's the point of putting that into the show unless that's true? Right. And so that just adds, like, a little, like, just an extra little stab of, like, oh, that's... It would have been okay if he had just waited a little bit longer. Well, and so, and here's um, where I think Katara has a misstep. Yes. Um, because she says, it's good that you ran away. Well, he blames himself and he shames spirals. Mm-hmm. And Katara tries to comfort him by saying it it just it wasn't meant to be this way. It was good that you ran away because you're here now and it's more important. And I gotta tell you, this is a, what I consider silver lining to a T. If you had if you had stayed, you probably would have died. Yeah. Um, and we see that the, the the difference between sympathy and empathy. Yes. Uh, is is what are you adding that silver lining to the cause? Are you sitting there from afar and saying like, um, oh that sucks, but like think of like but. Look at like look at all the good things that happen versus oh man that's terrible I've gone through this before let's sit in it for a little bit. So like let's talk about what it would have looked like from Katara in this moment to have empathy and to really communicate it because we talked about it in the beginning like there are the, these steps she recognizes the Aangs in this turmoil where he's having shame around having run away. Yep. Right? She recognizes that. She does not communicate that she understands and validates that, and it. validate that feeling oh you must have felt terrible you must have really i know what that's yeah like. i've and been it, there before hurts, right it sucks yeah so she doesn't do that instead she skips over that and says well look at all the good that happened because of it mm-hmm. and that's just like uh you missed it you and missed that, it that's You're not the miss yep. right and that's so, the misstep um i think that absolute good intentions absolute um i don't like blame katara at all for no. this but it's one of those things where as we analyze and think about what could have been that's something that i would have wanted well that and that's a learning moment for us right because yeah. and how do we see that show up in our lives oh you know timmy is not a straight a student but at least your your you know sarah is you know, or, um... How does that feel to Timmy? Right, it was, exactly, it was like, when you think about when people share, like, oh, this is going on my life and it's tough. Well, like, um, oh, it's a bummer your car broke down, but at least you have, like, a really nice car. Some people don't have any cars. Yeah. Which is meant to be as a way of, like, hey, like, recheck your values. Like, you're still, like, really blessed. But, like, 
that doesn't help the person who's in that situation. But we see that all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I messed up my cooking tonight. Well, at least you still have food. Right? Like, that's not like... (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's not helpful to the situation. Um, And and you're not bettering it. But uh, guitar doesn't know, and she tries. But a lot of times when you add that silver lining, that's what it feels like. Yep. Um, and that's so she's doing that to a T right here. And then we cut back to Zuko. We do, and begging so, for mercy. I am not gonna fight you. I'm, you know, you're my, you're my dad. I'm not gonna do this. You will learn respect and suffering. Suffering will be, will your, be your teacher. teacher. Yeah. Um, which man, what a as a caregiver, and it hurts that much more when it's someone you trust. Yeah. But like when someone you trust burns you, you either literally, literally burns you. But when someone you trust does that. You either sit there and say, "Oh, this is the way that it's supposed to be. This is my my caregivers teaching me this, so this is this must be right." Yeah. Or you shut down on the opposite end of things, and it's it's a much more. I can't trust anybody. If I can't trust my caregiver, I can't trust anyone. Well, and I think there are other responses to that too. Sure. But I I agree with you. Like, there's this the story of like you know two brothers have a father who's a drunk, mm-hmm. and. One like they both grow up, and one um, grows up to be a drunk as well. And he says, "Well, look at the father that I had." And then the other person grows up and never has a drink. Well, and they ask him why, and he said, "Well, look at the father that I had." Right. Right. And that's just an example of how you can have the same upbringing and respond completely differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is an, an example. We see how Zuko responds to this, and we understand. But we could have understood it if he went in another direction as well. Well, and again, so, and then this goes to empathy also with accountability. Like, it yes. does, like we still don't get Zuko's, Zuko's response to, to his crew up until this moment is not, does not go like, you can't erase it based off of his experiences. But yeah. it helps give us so, an understanding. And so one of the things that's really important to talk about in this scene is there's a clear snapshot when Zuko is getting burned of... General Zhao, Azula, who we don't know who Azula is yet, but it's Azula, who is Zuko's sister. Sister, yep. Uh, the other generals who were in the room, and Iroh. Mm-hmm. And everyone is smiling, yeah. except for Iroh. Yeah. Iroh has closed his eyes and turned away. Mm-hmm. And Azula especially is like... Grinning ear to ear. And like loving this moment. Yeah. And I think that watching all of the generals and leadership of this nation and watching that happen and seeing Iroh being the only one who turns away is really telling about the culture, the, the culture of the Fire Nation mm-hmm. and how it's so ingrained that this isn't even something that makes them bat an eye. In fact, it's something they enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think th- there is zero empathy for, for Zuko at all all from those people right right iroh is the only person who's like oh my god this is devastating for him he even says i, I couldn't watch yeah. i had to turn and away I, I think that like i was just so and i just happened to pause it because i was writing something down i just happened to pause on that that snapshot and i was like oh my goodness i got chills when i saw it and i was like oh this is devastating mm-hmm. that he's this is who he's surrounded by yeah like, oh my god, like, I'm tearing up. That's terrifying. It's, like, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah, it, it, how hard it must be. So now we not, and we even talked about, like, the the difference between it's your dad. Yeah. But then it's also your neighbors. And, and your then your sister. sister and your family. And so, like. And the people you respect. Yeah. The leadership of the country. Like, that's, oh. And he gets isolated, and he gets banished. And so the crew starts to understand, because even Ooh. the crew said, like, Oh, I thought it was a training accident. Yeah, wow, what a story. Like, And so they have more... And so this is where I wrote what you've been saying the whole episode. Like, having empathy for Zuko in this moment, moment is where... This is where you're like, oh, like, I, I, people shed tears probably in this moment when they realize. And so, like, having empathy for Zuko does not excuse his earlier behavior. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Like, it, but it does allow us to hold him accountable compassionately instead of dehumanizing him with language. Yeah. Instead of... With using put downs instead of using sarcasm, which are all the tactics that were used before. Yep. Right now they have the information to hold him accountable compassionately. And how? And so that being said, as people, 
we have to go forward even without the information and, and, and try to give the most generous assumption. Yes. So um, that gives us the opportunity to learn about these things uh, as opposed to making quick judgments on people. We have, to, we have to sit there and say, what is the most generous assumption I can make in this? Yeah. Um, Maybe make a lot of quick cuts. A lot of, it's a, oh, I wrote down a dual rescue mission. Uh, you got the boat gets hit by, you know, Zuko's boat gets hit by the storm. Um, and then Sokka and the fisherman's boat are Aang and, goes to and save Aang go, and so they, and we get Aang and Zuko at the same time are going to save well, people who and are we in see similar situations. Zuko make a save. He puts himself on the line to go and save the helmsman, mm-hmm. and he did. And he does right, which is another build on well, we get, empath- Zuko's goodness. Yep, and we get zero like what is the why did his thought process change from point A to point B? We don't get any time with Zuko Correct. in our flashbacks. And so all we can assume, you know, is that he genuinely has always cared about the crew, but in that moment was feeling shame or frustration about not having the Avatar. Yep. Um, and we both get and, two rescue missions. Well, and then yep. he makes the call to take the ship to safety instead of pursuing the Avatar. Yep. Again, putting aside his drive for the Avatar. Yep. For the betterment of the his betterment crew and the people. Mm-hmm. So. Which in the Avatar represents his own freedom and hope. And so. It's it's a complete act of selflessness. Yep. Um, and so yeah, we are slowly understanding that Zuko might not be the the character that we thought he was. Well, yeah, and we also see Aang get into a very uh, similar position to Aang's iceberg incident. Mm-hmm. Like it's the the imagery is very similar. Yep. Right to the flashback that came in from episode one or two, and so this time he gets out. And I wonder, like, what are we learning from this? Is it that because he was able to air his story, because he was able to hear Katara, and even though it was technically, like, I believe an empathic miss, even though, does he still feel the sense of familiar, like, familial, you know, tie that is holding him on to not, like, going into an iceberg again? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not going to make the same mistake. What he considers a mistake again. Yeah. Um, and he even mentions later in the episode, like, I gotta stop living in the past, all this stuff, which it's always an interesting concept to me of like people be like, I've gotta forget the past. And I think I disagree. Like, yeah, I, like, like don't yeah. forget the past. Like, learn from the past, understand the past. Like, I way more agree with the sentiment of like, I also well, I also disagree with the sentiment of like, oh, I have no regrets. It's all been a learning moment. No like, ragrats. Well, it, it, yeah, no ragrats. Um, and I think that, no, it's okay to have regrets. Like, I think it's okay to sit there and say, like... Well, I think that you're you're lying to yourself if you don't have any. Right. Like, it is okay to see those things that you regret happening as a learning experience, and that's also good. But I think it's okay to sit there and say, like, but I regret that that's how that went down. Like, yeah. I'm happy I learned from it, but... Um, so I think you got to remember the past. You also have to live in the present. you got to look forward to your future. There's no perfect, like, formula to how that's done. It's just, yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, and one of the things I really like here at this right near the end is Zuko apologizes yeah right he's like I'm sorry and I was like totally accept like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I totally, apology accepted right <laughs> um, but let's oh we gotta we see something during this rescue mission on the boat that we have not seen before tell me more Iroh lightning bends oh yeah I did see that and I so we, we get this moment of I don't know if I would have considered electricity uh, the element of fire. Um, I genuinely think it probably would fall. It's tough because it goes through so many elements, but fire normally not being one of them. Like it, I think that makes the most it's sense more, for me. It's more earth-based. I... It can travel through water. Like electricity, electricity travels through, travel through, through water. water. Um it tends to be more earth and grounded, and so like I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I see it as a fire element, but that's what we see it as. We see Ira redirects lightning. Yeah. See, I think I do though, and I because th- I think that if you think about like lightning lights things on fire when mm-hmm. it hits, it's literally the the heat content of it. And I right. Think, like I, I think I that I vibe with that. So lightning being a fire thing. And then is that a, can only. Can only I do, do, or is, is that, that like, can any bender do this? Yeah, like if they have developed the skill set for it. But we see him do this for the first time, and I wonder if that'll play a bigger, bigger role. I wonder later. Um, but it's really we see him redirect that and uh, without dying. And yep. so like we do see he's a little shocked. Yeah, but um, but 
He's alive, yeah. and he's clearly done this before. Maybe not clearly done this before, but he definitely knew that it was a possibility. Oh, yeah. He was, like, stepped into it. Yeah. So my guess is he's done it before, or he's definitely, like, had enough training to kind of sit there and say, like, this is possible. I hope this works. Yeah. Um, and it does. He redirects lightning, which was like, all right, put that in the in the notebook and remember that for later. Oh, interesting. Um, Zuko apologizes, and then we cut back. Uh, yeah, and then we get the fisherman apologizes to Aang, and, yeah. and, and, you know... He understands, understands Aang better, sees that he didn't, he actually did go and try to save people, he's not just, like... Well, but even going back away. to the fisherman, like, the fisherman wasn't wrong. Like, everything that the fisherman said was true, that was what happened. He just did it in a very non-compassionate way, and Aang did change this time and, and help save him. But I think that that... I wanted to be careful, because I think this reaffirms to Katara, like... Oh, if he hadn't ran away then, then he wouldn't have saved this fisherman now. Yep. And that's kind of like, that's, n- n- no, like, that we can't, again, that's, that goes back to kind of, like, silver lining. Yeah. It. Like, well, we don't know what the, we don't know if any of this would have happened had Aang stayed well, and stuck around. Aang says, like, I, like, I'm, he decides that he, I'm not going to dwell on my past. And I think that it's because he told his story aloud that he was able to move on. Not because Katara necessarily responded the perfect way, but I think it's because he was able to voice his story aloud. And the reason is, I think that, we, like, we talk about how, like, shame was the driver here, right? Mm-hmm. And I think shame is a social wound. Yeah. And it requires a social balm to heal it. And I think the, like, the idea of shame being a... It thrives in the dark and quiet, Right? He put it into the light and spoke it aloud, which allows it to be reduced. Well, anytime you can speak to shame, and this is exactly what you're saying, anytime you can speak of the shame that you're feeling, it is going is likely to go away. It decreases but just by the, its very nature. But his self-awareness allowed him to piece that together. I think a lot of times as people, we don't know why we're feeling that way. And yes. so that makes it very tough to be able to do that. Yes. So you the first step if you don't, is you have to understand you have to why know you're it, feeling the way you're And then you got to speak about it. Yes. When it's a, and that even goes to the concept of like fear in a name or when you're, you know, when you're able to speak about something out loud, yeah. it takes away the, the fear of it. Correct. Um, so whether that's Voldemort, whether or not that's racism, whether or not that's, you have to be able to talk about it out loud yeah. if you want to get to a place where you're going to be able to that, tackle it. Correct. And I think that the Aang's ability to tell his story aloud allowed him to move past it. Yeah, absolutely agree. So, uh, Fisherman thanks Aang. Empathy, uh, once he's seen Aang in action. And again, I wrote, it's hard to hate people close up. Yep. The more you're in it with them, the the less likely you are going to be able to, to hate them. Yep. You got to be able to get to know them and understand them a little bit more. Yep. Uh, any other big things from this episode you want to talk about? Because that's the it. They, we, you know, we get the end of the episode, Aang and them fly out the, uh, the eye of the storm. They talk a little bit back in the cave. Zuko and then make it off to safety, um, and we're and we're set until the next episode, which is uh, it's going to be a big one. Yeah, I'm. I think I got everything that I wanted to talk about. All right. Well, we will be right back, and we're going to look at empathy um, and how we can better our lives, ourselves, and the community around us um, through the lens of empathy with the element of uh, air, wind, but air. Air. We'll be right back. talking through the lens of empathy and, and, and how we are going to better ourselves, the community around us, um, through empathy and from the element of, of air. Yeah, what do you think of when you think of air? Um, I always kind of, I, I think of like windmills and, and the ability to like how powerful um, air can be when it comes to moving objects um, and pushing things around and how that works and how that can be a huge benefit. It can also be destructive depending on how you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if I'm looking at it from a, from the beneficial standpoint of like moving a windmill for power, I really think of how uncle Iroh uses his ability to influence, um, to teach people empathy, um, and to share understanding and create compassion and so you see that when he's talking to the crew and saying asking questions and telling stories and um being there as a reminder of how do we look past our initial thoughts and and immediate judgments and 
I want to see how I can do that for others and, and be an advocate for people um, by asking the right questions and, and sh- helping be a positive reminder of, of being empathetic while trying to do that myself. Wow. What about you? So, I mean, there's so many cool things about air to talk about. You can talk about everything from like hurricanes to a gentle breeze to the breath to oh, it's just so much like how it, it's howling. It can be really, oh man, there's so, so much cool stuff. Um, for, for me, the first thing I thought of was how the breath is really something that is relative to air. And I think that in this moment, how when are the times that I need to breathe? Like often when I'm going into a situation where I have to be empathetic it's 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 challenging it's not <laughs> empathy is not easy no not um, at all it's very rarely the easy choice and so um sometimes i really just need to take a breath to prepare myself and if i don't sometimes i will uh, lose courage and not dive in where i feel like i should and so i'm gonna challenge myself to really remind myself to take those deep breaths before diving into an empathic conversation so that i can um hold space for it and really be true yeah we got a lot of work to do this it's not week. easy it's yeah hard. we've had two <laughs> weeks in a row of, of, of some of some tough work that we have moving forward um but we are excited for our next episode um which i believe is uh involves a a, a really myth- mythical figure wearing a, a blue mask yeah. Um, and do we have a lens for that we episode? sure do. It's going to be pretty poignant. The lens for episode 13 is going to be masks. Ooh, fitting. Right? Yeah, so come back and join us next time. And again, talk to us about how you're creating a better uh, world for yourself and the environment around you. How are you creating that balance um, that the Avatar is so so hard striving to create? Um, and especially if you're able to kind of give us some insight on how you think about empathy through a lens of air. I think that could be really cool to hear your perspective on that as well. Talk to us about what this episode meant to you, what that series means to you. Uh, you can write us a, a fun little story and send it to thearcavy at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at thearcavy um, or find us on Instagram as, uh, as well. Um, special shout out and thanks to the Archive to posting this on, on the TV arc. Um, so thank you, Noah Blanchard, um, for being willing to do that. Um, and then Huge we, thanks. Super uh, appreciative. We will see y'all back next time. I guess not see you, but you know. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. And I'm Ben Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. Okay, bye.